This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. Worship with you here on Easter Sunday. Your guests, we welcome you here. So glad you're here. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up and we'll get you one. Our ushers would gladly put you one in there. Um, We'll begin this morning in the book of Matthew chapter 27. As you're getting a Bible and turning to Matthew 27, I'll try to recap a little bit what's been going on. A week ago today was Palm Sunday, and so we came together and discussed Palm Sunday. And remember, that's when Jesus uh, came into Jerusalem, and he began to descend to the Mount of Olives, just like this. And what you'll hear a lot is today, me and Shelly were so blessed to go to Israel seven weeks ago. So I, I walked down where the, the crowds begin to chant, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And remember, our main text last week was Psalm 118, verse 25. Save now, O God, save now. And so then as you look across the uh, area of, of the Mount of Olives, you go to an area called the Kidron Valley. On the other side is the Temple Mount. And so on Friday, we went to that area. We went to a place called Calvary. The Hebrews, Golgotha, the Latin is the skull where Jesus was crucified, beaten and bruised. And he began to ascend up to 700 yards that he took to, to be crucified. And we uh, partook of the communion elements on Friday night, which was incredible. And then when we left Friday night, Jesus was in the tomb. So this is where we begin this morning. Matthew 27, verse 57. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. Now what's interesting about this guy named Joseph, not only was he rich, he was Jewish. And so for a Jew to receive Jesus as the Messiah, this was very courageous goes on to say, this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given him. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, laid it in his new tomb, which he had honed out of rocks, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. On the next day, which would be Saturday, which followed the day of preparation, which was Friday, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate. Now, I want to highlight something in there. The religious leaders themselves broke their religious customs right here by breaking the Sabbath. Now, remember, these guys were the guys that were so strict about their rules, but yet they would break their own rules. Now, I can tell you this just from experience. That the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're still in Israel. And they're very noticeable who they are. Actually, as they were despised by many in the New Testament, they're still despised to this day because of their arrogance. Goes on to say in verse 63, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive and how that deceiver, and that's interesting, they referred to Jesus as the deceiver. He said, after three days, I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest the disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he is risen from the dead, 
So the last deception will be worse than the first. This was their fear. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now as the Sabbath, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn. This is early Sunday morning. Early Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. The second of that week. Remember, the first one was about 3 o'clock on Friday when the Lord Jesus died. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and he came and rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat on it. This is interesting to me. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, O death, where is your sting? In other words, death, you're not what you used to be. So when I see this right here that this angel set on the, the, the stone, you know what he's doing to me? He's mocking death. Actually, I think he's, he's taunting death and he's laughing at it to the degree of saying, Jesus already whipped you. That's Revelations 1.18. Jesus says, I have the keys of death and hell. Now, you've got to come back next week to find out where the keys are because next week we'll start a new series on dominion, which you don't want to miss. But Jesus said, I have the keys of death and hell forever. Keep reading. You know, excitement's prohibited in here today. I, I welcome your shouts. This is a day to shout, okay? His countenance was lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and came like dead men. I bet so. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know who you seek, Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Just that statement right there. This is why we celebrate Easter. He is risen. Do you know there's a lot of other religions around the world? But I can tell you of all the other religions around the world... The rest of those that people worship and adore, they're dead. They're in the ground. Their tomb where they may be even dust. Oh, Buddha, he's dead. Oh, oh, Muhammad, he's dead. Harry Krishner's, they're dead. The Joseph Smiths, they're dead. But the Lord and Jesus, Savior Jesus isn't. He's not here for he's risen. As he said... Come see the place where the Lord lay. Now that passage there where it says, as he said, it cross-references to the book of John chapter 12, verse 40. And John 12, 40 says this, as Jonah was in the belly of the well three days, so the son of man will be in the belly of the earth for three days. That's what took place with the Lord Jesus. But it says there that he's risen. Verse 7. Go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. Indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Acts chapter 1. And as you're turning to the book of Acts chapter 1, a couple of years ago, I was on a flight on an airplane. 
And usually when I'm airplane, I, I take study material and all, a lot of my reading stuff. So I'm sitting there reading and I'm, I'm strolling through my Bible. And this guy next to me says, hey, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. And he said, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a pastor. And he said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. And he goes, do you, you believe all that stuff in the Bible? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you believe that that guy rode around in the belly of the whale? I said, yeah, I believe that. He said, do you really believe Jesus is risen and alive? I said, I believe that. And then he said, what if you get to the end of your life and you find out none of that was true? And I said, well, you know what the truth of that is? I said, I'm still okay with it because I went around, I tried, I tried to love people. I tried to be good to people. I tried to encourage people. And he just kind of nodded. And then it was my turn. And I said, let me ask you a question. What if every bit of that's true? I said, you know, in my life, I take a lot of risk. I like to take risk and stuff. But I said, this is one area of my life. I don't want to take a risk. I don't want to take a chance. I, I want to know for certain. And I said, I believe the scriptures fulfill all that. So I highlight this to say that these guys that were Jesus' apostles, they'd been with him for three years. And over and over and over, Jesus would tell them, fellas, I'm going to die, but in three days, I'll rise. Now, you can imagine what went through their, their minds because people being risen from the dead, that, that doesn't happen that often. And so I begin to study the lives of these 11 apostles. There was 12, but remember, Judas, he's out of the picture. So there's now 11. And when you study after Jesus goes to heaven, these 11 continually to serve Jesus, but not only did they continue to serve Jesus, they all died horrific deaths. Stone. Some were crucified upside down. And I begin to think of this. If the gospel of the Lord Jesus wasn't true, then why did these guys die for his cause? Now watch this in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit given commandments to the apostle whom he had chosen. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering or his crucifixion by many infallible or unmistakable proofs being seen by them, the 11 apostles, during the 40 days and speaking of them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so these guys got to see all that. They, they witnessed the resurrected Savior. Same chapter, verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up in a cloud, received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And the angels been busy. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come some in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. 
Now, remember, everything that Jesus had always told these guys had come to pass. And he said, after three days, I'll rise. And it came to pass. It did. And now these angels says, now listen, guys, don't freak out here. Because in the same manner that he left, he's going to come back that way. And I believe that's an insight to me of you. I believe it's to say, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to occur. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Verse 39. And we are witness of all the things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a, on a tree. Him, the Lord Jesus, God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him. Now listen to this. After he arose from the dead. So again, you see these apostles that continue to serve him and they died like they did. But I don't believe any of that would happen if this wasn't true. And so seven weeks ago, I stood where the temple was. I stood where the, the stone was rolled away. And I began to get an incredible glimpse of not only how Jesus laid in that tomb, but more so the empty tomb. Now, what does the empty tomb mean to us? What does the Resurrection Sunday mean to us? Go with me to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And I want you to see this today because I believe this will help every one of us in here. Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14. And you being dead in your trespasses... Now, my Bible will really have the word, and you. You being dead in your trespasses. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but every one of us in this room, we have a sin problem. Every one of us. I don't care who you are, you got a sin problem. And so when I read this statement right here, I, I can rewind my life 40 years ago. And I'm going through life, and my life is, is a mess. It's, it's hectic. It's messed up. There, there's no purpose. There's no cause. And what I viewed as joy was only temporary joy because it would last on a Friday night, and then you'd get up on Saturday and have to repeat it again. And so I begin to look at my own life, and I realize there's got to be more than th this life than to what I'm living and so this is how most of our life looks like. We, we go through our early years and we get an education and then we get a job. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. And then you get married and then you have kids. And then you continue to work the rest of your life till you get a place called retirement and then you retire and then you die. That's it, it's over. And so I think about this, this doesn't make sense. There's, there's got to be more life than how I'm living. <laughs> Keep reading. And the uncircumcision of your flesh 
Better stated here that he's talking about you got a sinful nature. And he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, all your sin. Now, you missed a really, really good opportunity to shout right there. Because when he says, all your trespasses, I don't know about you, but that's massive to me. That's a big deal to me. All all my trespasses, in other words, everything that you've ever done wrong, he's forgiven them. Now, you can imagine this big screen right here with your name on it. And I, I don't know if that screen is big enough to hold all the tallies you've gotten. That's how big this is. Verse 13, or 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements, he removed, he blotted out the handwriting of your requirements, a confessed indictment, almost to say there's indebtedness on our part. But also when you see the handwriting of requirements, remember in the Old Testament, it was all what they did. It was all dependent on them. And what you find out when it's dependent on me, I'm not going to do it. When there's rules and it's dependent on you, you're going to break the rules. Even if you don't want to. And so not only did we have a sin problem, we had a problem trying to obey the letter of the law when we couldn't do it out of our own abilities. Well, I can't, Pastor. Well, if that's the truth, Jesus would have never had to come. And so he said he wiped out these handwritten requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way. And get this, having nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. Every one of our sins and every one of the handwritten requirements, he nailed it to the cross. Now, the video we played at the last with the people with the, the things on their hands, those are all people in our church. They're not perfect, but they are forgiven because of the cross. So everything you see right here, it points to Jesus. Everything. The problem with sin, Jesus fixed that. The problem with shame, Jesus. The problem with guilt, Jesus. The problem with trying to fulfill the requirements, I'm not going to do that out of my own abilities. Turn back one chapter to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. This is a good one to write. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now, there's a bunch of nuggets in this, but first of all, I can give thanks to the Father. Why? He's qualified me. How did he qualify you? Because you got a PhD? Nope. How did he qualify? Well, I went to church 23 great weeks. Well, going to church is a good thing, but that doesn't qualify either. The only way I've been qualified is through Jesus. That's it. And he said basically that Jesus qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance 
to the saints that are in light. So when I give my heart to Jesus, I become a saint in the light because of what Jesus did. But if you'll note right there, he said that he wants you to be partakers of the inheritance. Now again, you, you can't benefit off an inheritance if you don't know what it is. You may have a great uncle that's willed you an inheritance, a million dollars, but if you don't know it's there, it does you no good. But according to the BIB, I got an inheritance. Now watch this. This is incredible for us here. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He's delivered us from, he's delivered you from the power of darkness. So first thing you need to see right there, he has delivered us. It's already a done deal. That's part of your inheritance package. And so I don't know what's written on your hand today. Shame, guilt, anger, addictions. Whatever that darkness is, he's delivered you out of the power of darkness. And he's conveyed us or transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption. In whom we have redemption. That word redemption means you were ransomed. You were bought back. It's already been paid for. Jesus repurchased you. So I like to say it, it was the great exchange because of Jesus, he took sickness and he made health. Because of Jesus, he, he took sin and made you righteous. Because of Jesus, he took poverty that you may experience blessing. That's redemption. That's all Galatians 3.13. I've been redeemed. How have I been redeemed? In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. There you go, right there. You've been redeemed and you've been forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. This is why Resurrection Sunday, Jesus said, I died for you. I, I died for you. I, I bled for you. And so every one of us in this room, we have the same opportunities to receive Jesus or not. You reject Jesus, which you can. You reject your only way to be rescued from sin. There is no other way. One king and one crown. And it's the Lord Jesus. I'm going to quote a couple of scriptures here for you. John 3, 16, most of us know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever has a PhD should have everlasting life. Uh. For God so loved the world that whoever makes a million dollars, see again, this is where we get messed up. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Jesus came to not only forgive us, he came to fix us. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In the book of Matthew, chapter 10, the Lord Jesus said this. Now listen real close. 
If you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. See, I highlight that to this day because Jesus paid a price for every one of us. And you were bought with a price and paid in full with one sacrifice. And with it came a warranty that only Jesus could make. Now let me briefly tell you a little bit about Jesus' warranty. It's better than 90 days, same as cash. I'm blood bought. You're blood bought. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.